to the van life. What's up, guys, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Frankie. And I'm Alex. And together, we are FNA Van Life. Today, we have a very special episode for you. This is something different that we haven't done before, so you're going to have to let us know in those comments, those DMs, those podcast reviews, what you think about this new style. What we're going to be doing this week is we're going to be talking about van life news. Anything related to van life that's hit the news in the last couple of weeks, we're going to try to cover it. And, you know, we're going to give you a perspective from full-time van lifers. People have been doing it for over two years now. I think that gives us an opportunity to, you know, give you some realizations of what van life is truly like. Because some of these things are just ridiculous, if you ask me. Yeah, a lot of the stories, I mean, for the last two years, we've seen articles like this pop up from time to time. And we're always like, what are they talking about? These articles are super laughable because they're literally coming from a position of doing something for a weekend and thinking that they could understand even the slightest bit of the lifestyle. Yeah, so we have a couple different articles, one like that, and then a few more to talk about. So, do we want to give an update from the road? Of course, I think we always give an update. I think that should always be a part of this podcast. Right now, guys, we are getting ready to get married. Oh my goodness. Only three days, and we're going to be married, babe. We're getting married on 2-22-22. If you guys keep up with our YouTube or Instagram, you'll know that we got engaged just a couple of weeks ago. And if you are a Patreon you're listening, you've probably been most likely invited to see it on a Zoom chat. So, these are little perks that you could get when you become a Patreon, and it also so it helps us continue the journey and do the podcast as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're excited. We have a lot of planning to do. It's a small wedding, but, you know, with everything, it becomes bigger than you expected it to be. And there's more to think about and more to plan. And you want it to be cute and memorable and have, you know, a couple of things that make it special. So It's small in the sense of people that are going to be there, but it actually might be pretty big in the sense of, like, the people there plus all the people that could be on the Zoom. We could have up to 100 people on the, the Zoom call or the Google Meet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, we'll probably have about 10 people at the ceremony itself. So, overall, it could be almost 110 people, babe. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. And I, you know... We decided to go for this, like, elopement-style wedding because my whole family's in Canada and all my, like, best friends are up there as well, and it's just a little bit more complicated to travel outside of Canada right now. Well, not only that, I think just the state of the world and everything that's going on, it makes everything a little bit more difficult. So just having it the way that we're doing it, we were just going to elope and it'd be us two and two other people, but we decided we really want to include our families and friends in what's going to happen, so... We actually decided like a week before that we picked the date that we're going to make this wedding happen. And so now we have basically a week to make this happen. Yeah. And which we're actually making a YouTube video about right now as well, because I feel like that's really super interesting. How to make a van life wedding in a week. Any wedding. I mean, it doesn't really have a lot to do with the van. but No, but it's kind of part of it since we are travelers. Yes, absolutely. Everything in our life has a little bit to do with van life including all these new articles that we're going to talk about today. Do you want to jump straight into it? Well, I think that we should jump straight into this one first because it's very topical. The Winter Olympics are going on right now. And Frankie, did you know that one of the Olympians is a van lifer? And did you know, Alex, that they're Canadian? That makes it even better. For you. (laughs) I think it's super cool, though, because... The real reason why he wanted to uh, get into van life is to be more immersed in nature. And not just that, but also to minimize all the things that he has and live a simpler life. Yeah, and I feel like if you're training for the Olympics or any kind of like mega 
like stage like this, probably paring down your distractions is probably a really good thing. Well, I think that it goes back to the fact that this guy is definitely living the winter van life lifestyle because he's doing an Olympic sport in the winter. So that means that he's training on ice, you know, uh, in ice spots, right? So you have to be in a very cold place. So he he's like the ultimate van lifer, if you ask me. Yes, his name is Chris Spring. He is competing for Canada in the Winter Olympics. He's a bobsled pilot, age 37. He and his wife, from the photos of it, I don't know if it's wife, but his partner, um, they are in a bus conversion, a short bus conversion, which is super cute. I can see the surfboards in the back, too, so they definitely love to get themselves involved in different adventures, um, sports-related. Yeah, look at that. Look at those boards right there. Yeah. Some beautiful photos that they have. It's really exciting just to see the different type of people that are out there that are living this lifestyle. And I'm I mean, it makes me excited to possibly, you know, maybe we can meet this guy one day. Maybe maybe we could even reach out and maybe get him on a podcast. That'd be really cool. That would be neat. Yeah. So he's out of Tofino or like Vancouver area. Okay. And so that is actually, if you listen to our podcast from a couple of weeks ago with Heather from Van Life Ontario, um, Vancouver is kind of the place that all of Canadian, not all of, but a lot of Canadian van lifers um, head to in the winter because it does have the most temperate winter of all of Canada. So it's a very popular spot for van lifers in the winter. So we just want to uh, say, go for it, Chris Spring. We hope that you bring some van life glory to the Canadian Winter Olympics. And so um, I think the last update is to those who stayed back home. This is from his Instagram. Thanks so much for your support. Heats three and four tomorrow. And we'll be leaning on that hype to help us move up the leaderboard. So there's still a chance. As a like honorary Canadian, I guess I could say that now, right? Sure. I wish them the best of luck, and I really hope that they do well, and that they hopefully they could come in first place, even over the Americans on this one. Because oh. the reason why I'm saying that is because he's a van lifer. Yeah, I mean there probably are other van lifers who, you know, are in the Olympics. I don't know for sure. That's not something that gets published a lot. I don't know, but this one made the Toronto Star, and I thought it was super cool. That a fellow van lifer is competing in such a big international stage. Hold it down for the view life. <laughs> okay. What's our next one, babe? This next one. So Insider is so weird. I have two articles from Insider. I feel like they put up articles all the time that are like anti Van life. But I feel like that they play both sides because Business Insider is Insider, correct? Right. But so, I feel like there's always this weird angle that's like, even when the article is good, it's like... still negative. It's like painted with a little bit of like, mm, like you might not like it because of these <laughs> things. You yeah, know? that's true. That's true. So the interesting part about this one is it's somebody that's spending only a weekend in a luxury camper van, and here's 13 things that disappointed them about van life. I'm going to start off by saying that their trip was from New York to Philly, right? Which means that they're on probably (laughs) I-95, and that doesn't seem like a very um, overwhelmingly beautiful trip. You know, you're kind of in the middle of the concrete jungle. You don't really have a lot of uh, ventures beyond you know, the, the, the highway there. Um, and so for me, 
actually, for most people that are living van life, a lot of people leave the East Coast because it is not necessarily a van life friendly area. I'm not saying that all places aren't, but I'm saying that it is definitely easy to van life in the middle of the country and out West. Right. So as a New Yorker, can I call myself an honorary New Yorker? You can. You lived there long enough and you're with me, you know? So yeah, of course you can, baby. <laughs> so as an and, you d- and you also do a really good Long Island mom accent. Oh, thank so. you very much. Yeah, yeah. So here's what you need to know about the trip from New York to Philadelphia. It's only an hour and 36 minutes. That is not a road trip, folks. It's not a road trip. That's literally an afternoon drive. I feel like I I did that drive many times when and, I lived in New York. And realistically, this guy probably just did that distance of driving. He probably didn't like venture out. Well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. If you were going to do that trip and knew that you wanted to go on this hike or you wanted to take, you know, go look at this art museum or, you know, whatever it was. And as you're doing that trip, you kind of get off the highway and go out a couple miles and find something beautiful. I will also say that you're looking at that drive right now and it's uh, one a.m. Okay. out that way. So okay. you're probably looking at it with no traffic at all. all it's right, probably well, let... more like a four-hour drive in all rush right. hour. For context, it's 94 miles. So whatever that takes you, depending on the time of day. Yes. But regardless, that's not like a road trip. No. Like, if I'm thinking about a road trip, I'm thinking about, you know, at least over 100 miles. At like, l- really? At, at least. I mean, and I would even say, I would go as far as to say, you got to at least go through one gas tank. <laughs> because because that guy legitimately did like a quarter a tank of gas. Oh my god! Okay. Oh man. So this is number one. What? Oh, I, I love that he starts off with a photo from somebody else, obviously, because it is definitely not them. Yeah. And it says uh, Daniel Benjamin, right? That's who and took the photo. That's definitely like the Canadian Rockies. Yeah, or somewhere definitely on the West Coast. It's this giant mountain range with the van in front well, of I it. Well, I can just tell you by the trees alone that it is definitely a West Coast or Midwest style That picture. ain't Philly. That is not Philly. That is not New York. <laughs> you could even be up in the Adirondacks, and which is actually extremely beautiful, but you would never get this photo because they just don't have the same type of trees as what you're seeing in this picture. Okay, so he says when it comes to growing a van life movement, reality rarely meets expectation. So in his two-day road trip, right off the he bat, is like, ugh, I didn't get this beautiful scenic view. Right off the bat, I have to disagree. <laughs> and the reason why I have to disagree is because we started our van life adventure on the East Coast. We started in the winter on the East Coast, and we got to park in every single parking lot on the East Coast at the ski resorts. So we were actually having a wonderful view in the morning, waking up with no cars around us, with just these mountains all around us. It was it was absolutely epic, if you ask me. Yeah. Even, so- even when we slept in a hotel parking lot and were super nervous on the first night. Yeah. So at least he admits that he was on a short stint with van life. But if you're on a short stint with van life... How the heck are you writing an article for Insider with 13 things you hated about it? It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't. So he hated that he had to park in a cracker... I can't say it. A cracker barrel parking lot. And here's the thing. We've parked in plenty of cracker barrel parking lots, and he said that he had to park in the RV spot. First off, dude... You have a 22-foot van at the absolute max. It looks like he's driving like a sprinter conversion. Yeah, yeah, I think it is a sprinter conversion. But you could fit in a regular parking spot, and they would actually prefer you to park there because then an RV could actually park in that big-ass spot that you're parked in. Right. He's like a quarter of the spot right now. It's 
actually laughable. There's a huge gap in front of him and a huge gap behind him. Another it's funny like part when is... you roll into like the trucker stops and you pull into like a truck stop spot and the truckers are like, get the out, out of, of my there. spot. Yeah. I need to sleep. You can fit in a parking spot. Correct. Correct. So, and then he, there's like three spaces obviously open next to him because of where his camera tripod is. And he decided to park literally right next to the trash can. And then complained that he had to park next to the trash can. There's legitimately three spots next to him where okay. he, could, he could park anywhere else. But regardless, the Cracker Barrel is a great in-between parking spot. Correct. And when we're on road trips, like this garbage trip that he designed from Philly to New York, when there's not a lot of BLM mm. or scenic areas, or you're going through basically cities, mm-hmm. like the whole way, yeah, you're probably going to park in a Cracker Barrel or a Walmart or Correct. a, you know, Bass Pro Shop. And yeah, there might be garbage cans nearby, but that doesn't mean that... They don't, I've never noticed a smell. I've never been like, oh my God, those garbage cans are so loud all night. Like, I don't think that it's ever been a problem that we've been parked near a dumpster. Never. Never. No. Like, like we've, actually, the place that we were just in, in California, we weren't even parked near a dumpster. The whole place smelled like a dumpster. We literally, we were driving and we got out to go shopping at the, we got, we went to Whole Foods, which is like fancy grocery store, and we both opened the door and are like, why does it smell like hot flaming garbage? I think it was San Bernardino. Oh my god, it was yeah. disgusting. But uh so wait, is this guy's name Frank? Frank Olito? Yeah, the, so the person who wrote the article, his name is Frank Olito. Olito. Okay, so I just wanted to make sure that we had that right. So he was the one who took the photo in the Cracker Barrel parking lot parking himself directly next to the trash can. All right, I just wanted to make make sure that like that was completely relevant and and it was him you know not another photo right 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 okay so it looks like on his second night of van life he decided that the only place to park was a koa which is if you know anything about van life or camping koas are the most expensive place to park and believe me when when i tell you you could definitely find a wild camping spot probably in that area we're going to look at right up, right now on iovalander and see if we could find something in south philly in clarksburg oh my goodness there is plentiful of spots it looks so like so i down just there. pulled up in between new york and philadelphia there's probably like oh, like at least 1 2 3 4 5 can like you, 15 to 20 can different you find, spots. Can you find the uh, Clarksboro area? Because that would be uh, very interesting to see if there is, in fact, spots to park, like uh, free spots to park that are more beautiful than this KOA. And let me tell you what, KOAs, I'm, I'm grateful that they have them around. But they're really meant for the big old Class A campers. They're meant for the people that are just not willing to go outside of their comfort zone and try something different. Uh, It is an in-between spot if you absolutely have to have it. But I promise you, you could find something other than that KOA in that area. I mean, even if there is a mountain in that area like a small hill that you could ski, like Round Top, for instance, I'm pretty sure is fairly close to south, southern Philadelphia, you could park at that mountain and it's way more beautiful than what this area is. So in this particular area, like we were saying on the East Coast, there's not a ton 
of free wild camping. Yes. But there is one. It's right next to a creek. It says small area in front of a sh- fishing spot, enough place for one short camper van, which this guy is a Correct. short camper van. Um, close to the river. Neighbor came by in the morning to ask if we were camping, but nothing else. Just one night here for us. Uh, the noise of planes sometimes because you, you are right next to an the airport. Philadelphia airport. It's across the way. Uh, there is. Oh, one my photo. internet wasn't loading the photo. Oh no! But anyways, it's just not strong enough where we are right now. Well, I could tell you already though that that there's a river right there running through the like right behind the camp spot. So. There's also on the other side of town a right next to a trailhead, a gravel parking lot in the suburbs hidden from the roadway. So like, so there's two spots immediately that we found, and we're not even close nearby the area at all. That you could camp for free, and it just once again it amazes me the aspect of like where this guy is coming from he doesn't know anything really about van life he's only doing a weekend in it and he puts himself in a koa because he's getting paid by this company to do it so he's definitely reaping the benefit of having it paid for for him yeah i don't think he talks about i planned on wait go back up i planned on staying here the full month. Oh, if I planned on staying oh. here for the full month, it would have cost me $1,800 because it was $60 per night. Which is more than I pay for my Brooklyn apartment. First off, you have a pretty cheap Brooklyn apartment, I'll say that much. Because $1,800 is, uh, you're doing pretty good. Yeah. You know, I feel like... I was paying 16 and I lived with, like, another girl and it was like, a tiny thing. Yeah. Anyways... So, Frank, you know, clearly nobody who actually lives van life is staying at a KOA for an entire month. No. Perhaps, you know, people who are living RV life, yeah. maybe? Yeah. But like, and like sometimes I would even say like, some retirees would probably go to the say. KOA. And, you know, like, once again, there's nothing wrong with it. But I also think that you are portraying the van life, like, lifestyle in the wrong way. Because a lot of us out here are looking for these like beautiful spots. We're looking for, you know, we'll, we will rather, we'd rather park at a Cracker Barrel or Walmart than a KOA. Oh, 100%. All day. And, you know, we might stop at a KOA to maybe fill up our water tank. But even that we haven't done. No. Yeah. Never. So let's see what else he has okay, to say. Okay, so he says that. If you want to hear the full exclusive story, go check out our Patreon. We're releasing a unedited version of this entire podcast where you can get the inside scoop on all of these stories exclusive for our Patreon community. And what's wonderful about coming and joining us on Patreon is the fact that you keep us on the road and you keep us making this content. We couldn't do it without our Patreons, and it's so important for us to grow this community so that we can keep making content like this because we know that it helps so many people Get on the road. We love you guys for the support, and we love you for becoming a Patreon. Check the link below and come and join us. <laughs> so, anyways, this is a ridiculous article. Frank needs to spend, I think, a little bit more time in a van to get any kind of concept of what van life is actually like. I think it takes at least a month to get really comfortable in your van, to get comfortable on the road, to really feel out where you're parking, where you're camping, where your stuff goes, what you need. It's like, it's a learning experience. And to do it for two days and then to say van life sucks is absolutely ridiculous. Frank, I'm going to be frank with you. This journalism that you did here was very poor to do something for only a weekend and expect to have 
like an experience of a van lifer, I just feel like is unrealistic in so many ways. And I hope that you understand that we're not trying to be mean, but what we're trying to do is give you a better perspective on what the life is. So come and watch our YouTube channel and uh, listen to our podcast because we interview van lifers all the time that actually live the lifestyle that will help you understand what it's actually like. And we talk about the goods and the bads, so we don't leave anything out. We hope that you enjoyed that part, Frank. (laughs) Okay, next up is from the Santa Fe New Mexican. So I feel really bad for this family. Yes. So, the title, Family Details Espanola Raid on YouTube. Police say protocols were followed. So, they are a family of five. Uh, two kids, I'm sorry, four kids, and no, six. So, four kids and a husband and wife. And At least four kids, because at the beginning of the video, they say their other kid just left. I'm not no, I exactly I think the other sure. kid was going to leave, but they were trying to figure out the flight. Ah. Uh. Yeah, yeah. So they wound up missing their flight because of this raid in the morning. Oh. Yeah. So what basically happens, to give you kind of an idea, is they're in New Mexico in Española. They're parked up at a mechanic shop. Okay. Because they had some issues with their van and at the beginning of the video they talk about how it's like been three or four days that they're dealing with this van they're issue. They're not in a van either. They're in a bus. They're in a shuttle bus. Yeah. So it's a small family in a small shuttle bus and they've been probably at this mechanic shop for a couple of days now because they're waiting for a part or whatever from the mechanic to get it fixed. And if you know anything about the lifestyle when you have a breakdown you're kind of stuck in that spot and you have to you're living out of your rig. So unless you actually go and get a hotel, which most people try not to. That's why you live in the lifestyle to be inside your rig and not have to pay that extra expense. They're parked in this spot. Right. So, what happens is this morning, apparently the mechanic shop that they chose was getting busted for some kind of drug activity. So the state police has a warrant to go into this mechanic shop. And they they come in blazing. They are ready to go. They're ready to issue this warrant. These cops are ready to go. And so they see this van parked outside, likely on the property of the mechanic shop, and assume that it's part of the mechanic shop, and that perhaps the inhabitants might have something to do with this drug raid. Yeah. So... The cops busted, like, I think they knocked. It seems like they that they knocked on the bus and the dad said, like, hold on a second. I have a family in here and, you know, I, I need to put pants on, basically. This is definitely where the story gets juicy. So you're going to want to come on over to the Patreon to get the full episode. It's over an hour and 15 minutes of breaking down these news stories. You're not going to want to miss it. Check the links below to come and join today. You could probably sue the state police in that aspect. You know what I mean? Yeah, who knows? But honestly, just a super unfortunate event that we would hope that doesn't happen to anybody anywhere. I think that, you know, ugh, us in that situation, like, whenever anybody wants to look in our house, like, we got pulled over by the undercover cops once. I gladly invited them in. I was like, oh, you want a tour of our tiny home? Yeah, (laughs) we're like, come on in, you know? Uh, He he obviously was wondering if we had drugs in the van, and I was like, no. You know, I I literally was like, yo, I'll show you around, because I don't think they understood the 
implication of what they were about to look in. Like, like the fact that it was a li- literal tiny home. Like when I, they asked me to open the back door. So I did. And they seen like a full on like bed and water you know, tanks, water and, tanks batteries and, 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 and he was like, Oh, like he was like le- legitimately like taken back by, I was telling him the truth and the fact that it wasn't like a, a drug Yeah, like a mobile machine. meth lab or yeah, something. Or like a sex trafficking van or yeah. something like that. You know, it's kind of kind of wild. Yeah, so rule of thumb, comply and then figure out what's going on later because, you know, if they had all just stepped out of the van and had the conversation with the police outside of the van, that guy probably wouldn't have got punched in the face. Yeah, things would have just turned out a bit different. And I think the whole idea is just understand the situation that you're in. Comply with certain things. You don't have to comply with everything. But, like, you just don't want to put your family in a situation where, you know, it's traumatizing to them now. Yeah, not good. Okay, well, we hope that this family is doing well. Yes. If you want to go check them out on YouTube, they're called Inspire Engine. And I do uh, hope that what did happen with those police, that they learned a valuable lesson as well. And, you know, that maybe they do get held responsible for what, what did happen here. You know, they do say that, you know, they the cops did do what they were supposed they to followed do. Protocol. They followed all their protocols. So... Hopefully they do get some type of, you know, um, disciplined in whatever way. So that way they don't do something specific like this again. Like, it was obviously a lie when the guy said, I didn't realize you had a family in here. But meanwhile, two kids come out and then he's inside with the dad and there's two more kids. Well, and then right after he's done beating up the dad, he's like, don't worry, kids. It's okay. Come with me. Yeah. Like, what he do you just mean? Beat up their dad. You literally just punched my dad in the face, and now you're the guy telling me everything's okay. Come with like, me. What? Yeah. So just weird. Not a good situation at all. Okay, so let's move on. Insider is just killing it with these van life articles. They must be pretty good clickbait for them. They are for sure. I know that it's rolling in a lot of views for them, and you know, once again. It goes back to like them trying to find people specifically that, you know, haven't really done like the whole full, you know, scope of research, possibly, I'm guessing. Who knows? But I mean, like, there's so many articles. This is just one of the latest. It's by Leo um, Aquino on February 7th, 2020. Four expensive van life emergencies you might not see coming, according to nomadic couple traveling in the U.S., from the title, I'm like, wow, this is actually going to be, like, an interesting article. It's in the personal finance section. It's something that me, perhaps as a prospective van lifer, could, like, think about and prepare for. Yes, for sure, 100%. But right off the rip, it kind of deters you from understanding, like, as a van lifer, as a full-time van lifer, we know that if you go out and you get a vehicle... And that vehicle is under 10K. So this couple in particular bought a $7,000 vehicle and then put... Fully built out, it sounds like. No, no, no. And then they put $7,000 into building it out. So they're $14,000 in. They've done nothing underneath the hood. From what it sounds like. Have they even inspected it like to see if there was any issues? There was no talk about that in the beginning of the article. It literally just says, seven for the van. Seven for the build. I personally think that they missed a huge detail on the fact of, like, 
you know, what type of inspection? Did they have to pass any inspections? I have no idea. Was there any look that needed to go into any of this stuff? But, all right, let's go on. Okay, so, they're two weeks into their trip, and voila, their brake lines go. We've been through this before, and if you want to know exactly what we did to take care of it, how we made it the most inexpensive possible for us, you could do it too. I believe in you. Join the Patreon so you could figure out exactly what we did and what they could have done to make this a much better situation for themselves. The community can be lonely in a sense at certain points in time, but then when you find that sometimes life is about like you finding yourself before you could find your community. And I think that's what like the universe was probably telling these people, like find yourself before you could find your community. Well, and also I think they were maybe going about it in a not great way. So it says they tried really hard visiting different campgrounds and taking walks after dinner every night to try to talk to people and make community. So campgrounds are not necessarily the spot where we would be. Campgrounds are like kind of weird to make community. Most of the people in campgrounds are like weekenders or families or seniors. And we're not saying that you can't make friends in those areas. We've met some like lovely people. But we're saying that it's most likely not your community that you're looking for. Right. Like if you're like this couple is an LGBTQ van life couple, I don't think that that's where you're going to find your people at a campground. I think if you went to BLM, forestry areas, all these different iOverlander spots, you're way more likely to find people. But if we want to put money into the equation, perhaps you need a little bit of a bigger gas budget to maybe get to the West Coast or Arizona or somewhere that you know nomads are gathering. So if you spend a little bit more money on gas to get to these van life meetups Mm -hmm. or things like that, I guess that could be the expense of this. And realistically, if you just know where the meetups are, you could just camp out in the BLM near the area and meet plenty of people because you don't necessarily have to spend the money to go to the event to be able to reap the reward of the benefit of being in the area of where the event is to then meet the people after. Absolutely. Like, I think the best time that we had at VanFest was after VanFest. Yeah, like VanFest was fun. But it was draining as hell because we were exhibitors there. And you didn't really get to meet the other van lifers. So until we actually got to the BLM outside of the event after it was already over and everybody was just chilling out, that's when we actually made friends and found community. Correct. Yeah. The group of people that we wound up hanging out with for two weeks after that, we actually met at the very end of uh, uh, the Van Life event at VanFest USA and... Two of the people we didn't even meet at VanFest USA, we only met them after. So it, it's kind of funny because I think that we had the best experience not being at the meetup. A hundred percent. So I think this couple, you know, maybe they need a little bit more time on the road. Maybe they need to get their feet under them a little bit more. Um, because, you know, we have heard from other people in the podcast, especially in other countries, that it's hard to find community on the road. You know, but I think in America, we have it pretty good. We have it very good. Where, like, you can go to these, you know, we were just in Joshua Tree, and there was, like, multiple different groups of nomads having all different kinds of parties all over the desert. Let's just put it this way. When we pulled up, we pulled up to go meet a new friend, right, that we met via the internet. 
which is a great way of reaching out and finding your community. You can kind of like stalk group. van life in your area. And you could find people that are into the same things you are. Like say if you're just in the hiking, you could find people that are just in the hiking in this community. Sure. If you're into snowboarding, you can find people in snowboarding in this community and just reach out, have friendly conversation. And then next thing you know, you might just be hanging out. It doesn't always work out like that, but sometimes it does. So don't be afraid to reach out. There's plenty of like Facebook groups that you could get into. So there's so much opportunity to actually meet people. And organically, it's going to happen after you've been on the road for a little bit of time too. So spend some time out there. Find yourself first, I really feel like. And then you'll find other people naturally. Well, and also like get used to your rig, get used to finding yeah. water, get used to not running out of electricity. Yeah, just go on hikes and enjoy nature. Like be a part of the experience. And allow things to kind of happen. All right, guys. If you enjoyed this episode. Yes. And you like the format. You like us talking about these things going on in the van life community. Be sure to let us know. Drop us a DM. Send us a comment. Be sure to leave a five-star review on the podcast. We always love to hear from you guys. And it definitely helps the podcast grow. Maybe next week we'll try to find a few more things that are more positive about van life. But for whatever reason, they're trying to throw some dirt on us, guys. They're trying to throw (laughs) some dirt on the community. They're trying to find ways to tear us down out here. But realistically, nothing's going to tear us down. We love this lifestyle. We love you guys. We love talking about it. We love being positive about it, too. So next week, we're going to try to find a few more positive articles, hopefully. Well, I think we're going to do the article thing maybe only once a month. Once a month? Because this is going to be our Patreon-only podcast that we're going to dribble a little bit of it into the regular podcast. Ah. So if you want to hear the full, uncut, unedited version of this podcast, you have to come over and become a Patreon. You can join for as little as $3 a month. Any donation helps. It keeps us on the road. It keeps us making this content. We really don't make a dollar off of this podcast. We're starting to get to a point, though, where we are getting some advertisements. Yeah, I looked at it. No. We still haven't? Anchor is so, I mean, ridiculous about the amount. Like, we've made, like, $1. Okay. So we're just trying to be fully transparent (laughs) with you guys. And I did see it come up where there's a possibility of making, like, a $13 CPM. We have not yet gotten there, even though it says that we are eligible for it. Well, I think the problem is, I mean, this is, like, a whole different podcast, but, like, of the 100% of views that we're getting, only, like, 30% of them are coming from Spotify. Gotcha. And that's the only place where they're actually playing these ads that Mm. we're getting the CPM on. So I guess what we're trying to say, if you guys could listen to it on Spotify, it will actually make us some money. <laughs> or come and listen on Patreon Correct. and hear the full unedited version of it. And then you don't have to listen to any commercials from Spotify at all, because honestly, they're not even worth our time to put into the podcast. Correct. Frank is tired. It's really late here for us. We're going to try to crank this out. It's like almost 11 o'clock on Saturday night and we try to have these out for you by 6 a.m. on Sunday morning. So we're going to do our best, but we hope that you all have an F&A day and we will catch you in the next one. Good night. Or good day. Buenas tardes. Buenas noches. Buenos dias. See. Si. Adios. Make sure you subscribe to their YouTube channel, FNA Van Life. All right. All that.